السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. Muslimun. 
وقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الإسلام يعلو ولا يعلى صدق رسول الله أما بعد The blessed month of Dhul-Hijjah is upon us a month in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swears upon the last ten, the last 10 days or the first 10 days and by the dawn and by the 10 nights something so profound that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose to take an oath by them something so important that Allah connected it to the dawn itself and according to Ibn Abbas he explains the importance of these 10 days. Ibn Abbas relates, there is no day where any good deed or good action is more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than this month, than these 10 days. And the Sahabas asked Prophet sallallahu not even striving in the path of Allah. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he replied, وَلَا الْجِهَادُ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ إِلَّا رَجُلٌ يُخَاطِرُ بِنَفْسِهِ وَمَالِهِ فَلَمْ يَرْجِعْ بِالشَيْءٍ That he said, that even jihad fi سَبِيلِ is not as beloved to any other action in these, ten, in these ten days, except for the one who goes out. <coughs> that he takes with his life and his wealth, and he doesn't return with anything. And Ibn al-Qayyim, he reports that these ten nights of Ramadan are the best ten nights ever. But the ten days of Dhul Hijjah are the best ten days ever in the year. So the month of Dhul-Hijjah has many lessons and it has many beautiful lessons for us to commemorate and to think of and to ponder and to reflect. There are a couple of lessons that I want to bring out in this blessed month, in these blessed 10 days. On the day of Arafah, our beloved Habib sallallahu alayhi wasallam addressed the humankind, he addressed mankind, and he gave his last khutbah. And the verses that were revealed during this time, اليوم أكملت لكم دينكم وأتممت عليكم نعمتي ورضيت لكم الإسلام دينا. And that we have completed this religion upon you. Another great action of ibadah that we commemorate and we ponder upon is the udhiyah, the sacrifice that takes place on, Yom, on the Eid of Eid al-Adha. And this action really does symbolize a great action of our beloved Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam. And I want us to ponder upon this action. There are a number of verses in the in Surah Al-Saffat which literally go through this. 
They go through the idea of how Ibrahim sacrificed and the sacrifices he took. The life of Ibrahim is a life of trials and tribulations that many of us can relate to. From calling his people to the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and standing firm to their challenges. And from being tested by the king of Iraq to leaving his wife Hajar and Ismail alayhi salam on the outskirts of Mecca. These are all examples of tests and tribulations that our beloved Ibrahim alayhi salam faced. So one day, Ibrahim alayhi salam had a dream. And in Surah Safat, the ayat go, فَلَمَّا بَلَغَ مَعَهُ السَّعْيَ قَالَ يَا And when he, his son, was old enough to walk, Ibrahim alayhi salam, his son, Ismail alayhi salam, he says to Ismail alayhi salam, إِنِّي أَرَاثُ الْمَنَامُ أَنِّي أَذْبَحُكَ فَانْظُرْ مَاذَا تَرَى That I have seen in my dream that I am going to sacrifice you for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now imagine this, a man who is in his old age, some of the reports say he was 95 years old when he had this dream, and he only had one son at the time. Imagine this, 95 years old, and he has a dream that he is going to sacrifice his son for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And look at the response of Ismail alayhi salam, to Ibrahim alayhi O oh Father, do what you have been commanded. Look at the amazingness, look at the patience. And then the ayah continues, Satajiduni insha'Allah sabirin And insha'Allah I am of the patient. So look at this dialogue between Ismail alayhi salam and Ibrahim alayhi salam. It's valuable and it's amazing because the father is about to sacrifice his son and the response of his son is, I am of the patient. So imagine, just as about, just as he was about to slaughter his son, Sacrifice his son with the knife. Shaytan comes to Ibrahim alayhi salam and he tries to waver him. He tries to get him off the straight path and he says, What are you doing? How can you be this crazy? You're killing your son? What's going on? And Ibrahim alayhi salam, he picks up seven pebbles, seven stones, and he throws it at the shaytan. And this commemorates the Jamarat or the throne we do when the Hajjaj go in Hajj and perform the Jamarat, the throwing at the, at the Jamarat. And this takes place three times. And on the last time when he sees the Shaytan and he throws the seven pebbles and Shaytan vanishes, 
And as soon as Ibrahim is about to sacrifice his son, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the following verse. فَلَمَّا أَسْلَمَ وَتَلَّهُ لِلْجَبِينَ فَلَمَّا أَسْلَمَ وَتَلَّهُ لِلْجَبِينَ That when they had both submitted themselves, Aslama means to submit wholeheartedly, willingly, to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to the decision of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then the ayah continues, وَنَادَيْنَاهُ أَيَّا إِبْرَاهِيمُ O Ibrahim, you have fulfilled what we have told you to do. We have ful- you have fulfilled the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. إِنَّا كَذَلِكَ نَجْزِ الْمُحْسِنِينَ Thus we do reward those who are of the muhsinun. And upon this, he was ordered to sacrifice a lamb. And this is why on the Udhiyah, we go and sacrifice a lamb, we sacrifice a cow, we sacrifice a sheep, to commemorate the sacrifice that Ibrahim did. So what are the lessons from this very short story? Both the father and the son fully submitted to the order of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without questioning it, without any fail. We adhere to the rules of Allah. We adhere to the rules of Islam. So when we adhere to the rules, no matter how difficult it was or how difficult it is to perform the action, we submit willingly. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also mentions in another ayah, وَمَن يَتَّقِ اللَّهَ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ مَخْرَجًا وَيَرْزُقْهُ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا And whoever has taqwa in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whoever adheres to the rules of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give him a way out, will make it easy for him. Even if he's facing the most difficult of tests and trials, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make it easy for him. So Ibrahim alayhi salam adhered to the rule of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so did his son and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them a way out. So we must ponder upon this critical value that is adhering to the rules of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala no matter how difficult it is. Because when you go through tests and trials as an individual and as a society, as a community, there will be times when you will be knocked down, when you don't want to follow Islam because it's difficult. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَلَمَّا أَسْلَمَ وَتَلَّهُ الْجَبِينَ That they submitted willingly. So we must remember that our tests, for us to pass these tests, is to adhere to the rules of Islam. أقول قولي هذا واستغفر الله لي ولكم ولسائر المسلمين فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم.
الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين حمدا شاكرين طيبا مباركا فيه Brothers and sisters, we are pondering over some of the key lessons we can take home from the blessed days of Dhul Hijjah. I want to extrapolate an example from this blessed story of Ibrahim salam. And the first lesson we must remember is adhering to the shara of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the priority of every believer, of every believer. So today, when we think about ourselves today, we feel the need to integrate into society. We feel the need to conform and to, and to not go against the public mood. When it's getting difficult, I don't want to go against the public mood, it's too difficult for me. And in society, the spotlight is always on the Muslim. And there are times when we feel that we cannot follow Islam. At school, children are taught what relationships are. Relationships, not the halal relationships, but the foreign relationships, i.e. boyfriend and girlfriend, SRE classes, they're taught LGBT. And at university for our younger brothers, the spotlight is again on the Muslim. When you're at work, myself and yourself, we have brothers and sisters who feel the need to conform so they can get that promotion. Just to make their manager happy. There are times when you go through work and you're like, I'll delay my salah, I'll delay going to Jum'ah prayer, I'm not going to pray because I've got a work meeting. And then on top of all of that, we're told for us to get a promotion, you need to mingle with us in the pub. You need to come to the Christmas parties. You need to go to the summer parties. This is a reality that many brothers and sisters face in the corporate world. And on top of all of this, in society, we see the attacks on Islam, the attacks on our belief, the attacks on our beloved Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They attack our way of life, our values that we hold very dearly. The hijab, the jilbab, they attack our history and our civilization. And they say Islam is backward and barbaric. So what do we do in these situations? Do we pander to the mood of the public? Do we conform and compromise our values? Or do we do what Ibrahim السلام, did? That he stood firm and he submitted willingly to the decision of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He held on to the values that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him to hold on to. Because those who stand firm on their belief and adhere to the rules of Islam, even when it is hard and it is difficult, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you a way out. So next time we feel the need to conform, we must remember, whether you're at work or whether you're at school, or us as a community, 
We must be able to explain our position to the wider non-Muslim society that the Islamic values, that our Islamic values cannot be compromised. We have a way of life that says this is right and this is wrong. And we must be able to explain this with confidence to the wider society. The second lesson I want us to think of is that Islam offers a vision unlike no other civilization. Brothers and sisters, it was five days ago that just down the road in Wembley Stadium that three English players, Bukayo Saka, Marcus Rashford and Jaden Sancho, some amazing players, yet when they miss the penalties, they're not English now. Apparently, they're black. And the amount of racial abuse they got was harrowing and distressing. But this is not new to us. The British society and Western society has entrenched institutionalized racism. Racism is rampant in these societies. The racial abuse of black minorities and ethnic minorities is on the increase. And this country has a legacy of colonial, of colonialism and a history of subjugating ethnic minorities. So why do I mention this? Because Islam came to address the affairs of mankind. In the blessed month of Dhul-Hijjah, a beloved Habib sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he gave us advice on the vision of how Muslims and the, how they should look after the rest of the world. In his advice, he addressed the humanity. On Yawm al-Arafah, he gave his last khutbah and he said, an Arab has no superiority over a non-Arab, nor a non-Arab has any superiority over an Arab. And a white has no superiority over black, and a black has no superiority over white. So why do I mention this? Because the philosophy of Islam, the vision of Islam, came as a rahmah to the mankind. For ten years after establishing Islam as an authority in Medina, we saw that all tribes and ethnic minorities and all nationalities melted into one civilization. We saw for 1300 years a civilization that brought harmony and tranquility between its citizens, irrespective of their race, irrespective of their nationality, and irrespective of the tribes from where they came from. Do we see the tranquility and peace in the societies we live in today? This is a question we must ponder. And Islam came to offer mankind a way out. Islam came to offer mankind an alternative way of life. And the philosophy and the vision stems from this ayah. يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ إِنَّا خَلَقَنَاكُمْ مِنْ ذَكَرٍ وَأُنْثَى وَجَعَلْنَاكُمْ شُعُوبًا وَقَبَائِلًا لِتَعَارَفُوا 
that we have created male and female from different tribes so they can do what? So they can mingle with each other. So they can get to know each other. And that is the important thing. Breaking the boundaries between tribes and nationalities and races because we are all humans. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that Islam came as a rahmah for mankind. So the month of Dhul-Hijjah carries many lessons for us. And these are the two lessons I want us to take home today. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to increase us in taqwa in these blessed days. To forgive our sins and to increase our ibadat and to give us this vision we can offer humanity. Allahumma ahdina fi man hadayt wa aafina fi man aafayt wa tawallana fi man tawallayt wa barik lana fi ma aatayt waqina wasrif anna bi fadli rahmatika sharra ma qadayt innaka taqadri wa la yuqda alayna Ibad Allah inna Allah ya'mur bil adl wal ihsan wal itai dhil qurba wa yanha alil fahshai wal munkari wal baghi يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون قوموا إلى صلاتكم يرحمكم الله الله أكبر الله أكبر كرنا إله إلا الله كرنا محمد رسول الله هيا للصلاة هيا على الفلا قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا
سمع الله لمن حميده الله أكبر الله أكبر الله Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. 